I want to inspire more people to just do it. Just you believe in yourself. I believe in you. So I need you to believe in you. And we need to go get this done. Welcome to Design to Be Conversation, presented by Design to Be and hosted by Design to Be founder and CEO, me, Rachel Weissman. Designed to Be is a community for designers to grow their emotional intelligence. In this show, I have conversations with design leaders about how investing in their EQ has impacted their design career. In today's episode, I speak with Fonz Morris. Fonz is an entrepreneur and self-taught designer born in Brooklyn and now based in San Jose. He has worked in tech and design on both coasts of the United States, including Philadelphia, New York, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., and California. His belief in the importance of self-driven education continued through his travels through Europe, Central and South America, and Southeast Asia. Since 2020, Fonz Morris has been the lead product designer at Netflix. Prior to joining Netflix, he led a design team at Coursera. We dive into what it means to be true to yourself, the value of a supportive community, and how to build confidence in your decisions when taking risks. Welcome, Fonz, to the show. Totally excited to be here today, Rach. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for for being here. And I... And even before we started recording, uh, Fonz was already dropping gems. So tag him on Twitter or yeah. anything amazing he says. Um, and <laughs> we'll be sure to retweet it. I'll retweet it. Design to be re- retweet it. And we'll show a lot of Twitter love. Uh, so as part of the, the flow that, I, that we have right now with most podcast guests, usually we hop on a short call and jam of, okay, like, what do we want to talk about? Um, And a big theme that kept coming up was taking a risk to honor yourself. Um, And so before we really dive into unpacking what that means uh, for you, I'm curious if you turn back the clock a little bit, um, what was the first time in your career that you remember that you took a substantial risk that maybe was kind of (laughs) scary? That's... Wow. There's so many times that I'm taking risks, but one that I'm going to to explain that was a pinnacle moment in my career was, so once I had already learned enough skills to consider myself to be a web designer, where I was doing logos and people had started paying me for it, somebody who was a student at the university that I went to said that their job needed a website. And they were a furniture company. And this was my first real paying website, not something for my homies or testing or nothing. I went to their location and we looked at the furniture and we scouted the inventory. And they said, can you handle this website? This was my first e-commerce website. Sure, done a ton of e-commerce websites, no problem. Never, never did a website. (laughs) Never did an e-commerce website like that ever before. And... Once we got through the motions and they sent the contract over, they then sent the deposit. I could not believe that I had made that much money 
on my own with a skill that I taught myself that there was no strings attached, there was no mm -hmm. catch. So I was excited because it was a lot of money at that moment, but I was super nervous because I was now on the hook to deliver this product that I never really had any chance, well, not chance, I hadn't built one like this before, but I had to take that risk. And of course we did it, we finished, we launched, I was super nervous the whole time, but if, and after that, I had the confidence to continue to pursue bigger websites and continue to grow my design, web design career and grow my design agency. So if I didn't take that leap and take on that big project, then I don't know if my design agency or design career would have went the path that it went. So in a, what, what's coming up for me is, as you're uh, talking is that it takes a lot of courage. <laughs> Got to. <laughs> uh, you, you're you're self-taught. You charged a, a, good, a good substantial amount, which you completely deserved. And you mm -hmm. took a, you took a big risk. So what was that that moment that gave you the courage to okay, I'm going to do this and navigate the uh, I don't know, I don't know. I would say shout out to my boy Kevin, who I should have sent this invite to because he would be very happy to to get these kudos right now. It was I was so hands on as a design person that I didn't want to do the business and the business side. I was nervous to to even ask for that much money. So I asked my boy, Kevin, who had saw me coming up. So he was a good friend of mine. And I asked him to kind of be the business side when we went to go talk to the customer. And when we went there, he was just super confident. He never flinched nothing. And, and he just went all the way through the process. And that made me say, well, if Kevin believes in me to charge this much money, and he did, then, that means I totally have to believe in myself, almost even double, triple. So it was my boy, Kevin, believing in me and supporting me. And then us being legit enough to convince the customer to spend that kind of money with us. Once the money hit my bank account, I did a whole reflection type of thing and realized, okay, this is real. This is not a game anymore. I can make real money off this. People believe in me and believe in my talent. It's time to go. And I just never look back. And I love a thank you, Kevin. We'll send you the recording. Um, shout out, Kevin. But, <laughs> shout out, Kevin. Uh, a lot of what you said uh, deeply resonates and has been part of the approach that I've taken with building Design to Be of having a community as a core part of your personal professional growth. Um, and by having that kind of accountability or someone externally that really believes in you, uh, it helps that extra push. Even though, of course, all we can be doing all this internal work, having that person of, okay, but what do you think? Uh, is so helpful. We all need support. I'm a, I'm a super proponent of support. I didn't have a, men a design mentor getting my career started. And because of that, I now have almost 50 mentees because I understand the value of having a mentor. And the conversations that I have with the community and with my mentees are so valuable. And then when you see them 
when we first started and at the end, some of them have gotten new jobs or gotten promotions or have gone to do all these amazing things. And they give me credit for, for helping them. But it's more of, we did it together. And that's the part that I really love about design. It's so community focused. We all support each other. We lean on each other. Like I see some of my design peers in the audience right now. And that's the part that's just just so rewarding about being a designer. It just has a super, super community focus to it, as well as it's it's heavy on communication as well. So it's both. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to shift gears a bit of a story that um, I'm sure many folks can resonate with. Um, can you share about the time that you got passed up for uh, promotion and provide a bit of color about that that experience? Yeah, for sure. So this is an interesting story, and I love telling it. I was so excited and proud and honored to have this position. And I worked my butt off. I mean, every single day, I was a part of every org I could be. I helped with anything I could. I did logos, everything. One, because I was super excited. Two, because I'm a hard worker. And then three, ultimately, I think we all are looking for upper mobility in our employment. If we're not, we should be. So I was working hard. New promotions was coming around a year from now. So I was like, man, I'm just going to just be the best employee I can be. And I had a stellar year. At least I thought I did. I no, Actually, I did have a stellar year. The company told me I had a stellar year. But when it came around for promotions, I didn't get the promotion the first round. But shout out to my manager. She told me that you shouldn't work just for the promotion. You should be working because you love work and the promotion will come, right? And for the last couple of months, I do think I've zoned in on the promotion too much. So I respect my manager and I took her advice and she was like, but you're very close. She gave me some things to work on and I was I was fine with that because I'm all about self-improvement. This was my first tech job. So I knew I had some things to learn and that was fine. I was like, well, if I came hard my first year, I'm a, my second year is going to be even stronger mm-hmm. because I'm learning from the feedback that I got from the first year. So we get to the second year and super stellar year, launching projects. I was on a roll. And so promotion time comes around. And I didn't get the promotion again the second year. So this time I'm just like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because if I spent the second year doing every single thing you said I should do that I didn't do the first year, now I'm starting to feel a little less. I'm feeling a little worried because I don't have any direction anymore now. If you told me I would do these things and get this reward, I did those things I didn't. So the news was disappointing, but I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I want to do some research on this. I want to understand why. Somebody got some answers. Somebody got some explaining to do on why I didn't get this promotion. And I went to the head of design. And I asked them and I said, I just don't understand what's going on, man. Why didn't I get this promotion? If we're going by this rubric, which is this formula that we're supposed to use that you got everybody pretty much living by, all of my numbers is four and five and it's more fives than fours. 
on paper, I should have got this promotion. Mm-hmm. And then once we start to dig a little deeper into it, he starts explaining the process and other people from other teams have to approve your promotion. Both of the people who said that I wasn't ready for the promotion were people who I had worked closely with. One of the people I hadn't worked with in a year. The other person I had been working directly with, and I felt we had more than enough time if he saw me needing to step it up in the area that you was going to turn around and use against me when it was time to get a promotion. And then the other situation, me and that individual had had some kind of a mix up at work that was a little uncomfortable, but you know, me being professional, like I put it beside, let's go. But now when it's time to get a promotion and it's that person's feedback that's stopping me from getting a promotion, mm-hmm. I didn't even have to say anything, Rachel. <laughs> My head of design spoke up and was like, wait a minute, this feels like maybe there's something there. And I didn't push on it because I ended up leaving eventually. But what I did focus on was, well, how do we fix this design promotion situation? Because fine, I didn't get the promotion, but you can't let other people that's coming after me get caught up in the same thing. That's not fair. You have to admit that there's some flaws to this rubric. There's some flaws to this process. How do we fix this? Because I don't want anybody else to have to go through this same thing that I went through. And I'm glad I was able to expose the holes. And instead of me, I wasn't angry. I was more disappointed because I had believed in the system that they had sold me to get this promotion. And then when it didn't happen, it was more like an awakening and it didn't trigger anger in me. It actually made me want to try to fix some things. And it's crazy. After I left a couple of designers on my team, got a promotion. So, you know, I'm, look, I'm for the people. Well, it makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's tricky. It's tricky because it's politics. That's the thing about working in corporate America. That's why some people prefer to be entrepreneurs because you, you really don't want to deal with the politics sometimes because sometimes you end up on this side of it. And this was a less fortunate side because I didn't get a promotion that I deserved. So I, w- I want to unpack this a little bit because there's a, there's a lot of lessons to to dissect. Uh, but and in um, tying back to the theme of honoring yourself, mm-hmm. um, I'm curious what was. Everyone has their own threshold. Everyone has their own tipping point before turning uh, an emotion into action. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, okay, I, I was done with the anger. Let's go. Um, where for some people, the anger might arise a little more, and then it might take a little bit later to dive into that action state. So I'm curious for you, if you recall the moment that shifted and it made you realize, okay, I need to honor myself in this situation. I need to make sure to watch out for and help create systems for other designers that are more equitable, more just have a different structure. Uh, that folks listening can understand, okay, how can I understand when best to take action? Because it's it's complicated. Mm-hmm. It's really complicated when to step in, when to step out. And it's, it's yeah. <laughs> I would say there was no exact moment because I live being true to myself. I'm always, but I'm very aware and I'm very, honest and I do a lot of reflection. So 
there isn't a specific situation where I go through those motions. I'm going through those motions all the time. I live that, right? But I'm also very, like I said, I'm very people and community focused. So, and I'm solutions focused. Once I didn't get the promotion, I wasn't getting it. There was no reversing of promotions. So that's not helpful for me to pout and be mad and grumpy about not getting this promotion. It's time for me to to move on this. But the thing is, though, me being able to poke holes in that, that was a win for me. That was enough for me because it allowed me to say, you see, y'all know that this isn't right. This is the proof that it's not right. So that was a win for me as well to be able to help make change and then provide opportunity for my other designers and other people on my team. So there wasn't an exact moment. It was just more of, I didn't focus on not getting it. Because once I didn't get it, I didn't get it. So it was like, what was I going to do? And if I can't reverse that, then I'm going to put my energy into something else. And that was to initiate change by having them realize that this process just was faulty. So the moral of the story would be to always do that. Always always do the right thing, as Spike Lee said. Always do the right thing. Now, always gauge situations as well. You got to pick and choose your battles. and. I don't usually act on emotions either. If I would have acted the minute I, the minute they told me I didn't get the promotion, if I would have acted on whatever I was feeling at that moment, I probably wasn't even feeling that same way 30 minutes later. So the number one thing is try your best to decide before you act on a situation. Take a breather if you can, because reacting just off emotion can be very dangerous. So that's one thing I didn't do. And that's one thing that I just choose not to do because I'm the type of person, let me go take a walk. Let me, let me talk to my sister, vent for a second, get it out. I'm human and then calm back down and then make a way better decision. So that's what I would say as far as always be true to yourself, always be reflecting, but always think a couple steps ahead as opposed to only making decisions for the moment. One thing that I really want to highlight that, uh, that you've been that you're just saying uh, from the lens of emotional intelligence, uh, a core aspect of emotional intelligence is self-awareness and self-management. And what you were able to do so beautifully is being hyper aware of what you value and who you are, then being able to manage your emotions in the way that you show up in that moment to then make a very clear decision. Um, And that's beautiful emotional agility. Maybe you didn't even know it, but that was beautiful emotional. Like I'm all about emotional intelligence. <laughs> I'm all about it. It's really important. It's important. It's just common sense to me, honestly. That's what it boils down to at the end of the day is it was way smarter for me to do what I did than for me to get over hyped or anything like that. And I'm glad I did that. I, I really am. I didn't look at it from your perspective of it being a beautiful example of emotional intelligence, but yeah. it actually is because the end result was a win. I thought the end result was a win and that's what I wanted. So writing on this, um, we'll say emotional intelligence theme. Um, I'm curious, two questions. Um, why is emotional intelligence a key skill for designers to develop? Uh, and two which key emotional intelligence skills uh, play uh, pivotal roles in career growth? 
So maybe that you found in upon reflecting on your career or that you've seen now that you're a mentor for many, many people, uh, how that has shown up maybe in your mentees as well. Uh, so I would say that one key skill of emotional intelligence would be communication is super important as well as being a good listener because design is a multi-layered discipline. Like a lot of people only think of the craft part of design. That's the end result. That's the, we're in front of our computer. We have a pencil in our hand, our paintbrush or something, whatever medium we're using, right? But there's a lot before we get to that state of execution. And all of those things are the emotional intelligence side where we're curious, we're asking the right questions, we're doing the research to understand the problem and we have empathy for the, the, the person that has the problem. So we're solving their problem from their perspective, not just our perspective. We communicate to make sure that we can ask the questions as well as explain where we're coming from and come to a better group consensus on what this end result will look like. So there's a bunch of there's a bunch of different things that honesty is another one that's important because you want to be honest about the situation, whether you, you don't agree with the solution that the team came up with, or you have a different perspective, or you do agree with everything that's going on. Just, just all of those type of feelings and emotions are important to be a happy, effective, and successful designer. But the one that I would think that I would put the put my finger on as super important is communication, being able to to clearly speak your mind as well as being a good listener on the other end. I would say both of those are super important because if you can't explain things, it's going to be hard for you in design because you express through the visual the visuals you create, but you also have to explain what you did and you have to communicate with other people on your team. It's super cross-functional. It's not a, a one. Most design careers are no longer going to just be all about you because you're going to be on a team. So you have to be able to interact with the team. So if you don't have communication skills, it's going to be hard for you to be successful. Hmm. Yeah, as, as you were talking, the the memory that popped into my head was when it was the end of my freshman year of, of college, and I was applying to get into the graphic design major at school. Uh, and I was so proud of my portfolio and was like, the work will speak for itself. And I get into this room with a panel of teachers, and they're like, okay, but why did you make that decision? Why did you make that decision? Why? And I was like, and so then I was just like, I guess, making stuff up. Or what I felt like I was making stuff up. But of course, there was intentionality around the decisions. Mm -hmm. um, but I vividly remember that was the first time I was like, oh. You can't just do the work. You have to be able to explain the work. That helps me understand your thought process. How do you think, Rachel? How do you make decisions? What's important to you? How do you prioritize things? If you just show me the end result and say, here. It's like, okay, that's great. But I want a little more than that. And that's the communication part. Completely. Uh, so I want to fast forward a little bit because uh, the topic that we've been 
talking about of taking risks and honoring yourself and being uh, aware of who you are and then understanding at what point can you or do you need to uh, make that next leap? So I'm curious. So now with uh, you being a lead product designer at Netflix, um, how has that this semi-new role, not as new anymore, uh, new-ish role maybe tested how uh, the same taking action versus honoring yourself, especially in a much larger corporate setting? The culture at Netflix is just amazing. Like it's a very autonomous position, right? Where you make up, you make the decisions. You have support from your team, but you make the decision. So they're expecting, my team is expecting me to have that confidence when I'm making these decisions. If I'm waffling with my decisions, that's going to make them waffle. They're looking at me as a leader to be able to say, this is what I think we should do. Here's why, here's how, here's what, here's when. You have to have that. And when I first started, luckily, my team said, just getting in the door was the first hard part, Fonz. So now learn the business, get comfortable with the business, understand what's going on, because there's a lot to learn. And once you get running, there's no looking back. So by me being able to take that time to really ask all the questions I need, understand how things are going, once I got started, I felt confident enough to get started. And I had the support of my team to do the best work that that I can do. So that's super important because when you're making these decisions, you, you can't be nervous about it. You have to believe that you're the expert, you're the professional. This is what they pay you for. This is what they hired you for. So it's go time. And I've had, and I've been in go time multiple situations and I'm really happy with the way that that I've been able to to perform and I don't think I would have been able to to do that if I haven't been in these previous situations in the past where I just have to jump out there during my review they said one of my stronger qualities was my curiosity everybody on the team respected it because I didn't try to come in and act as if I was so smart that I didn't have any questions or I didn't want anybody to look at me a certain way because I had too many questions. I'm like, look, I don't understand what's going on. So I got questions. I need help with this. And because of that support, I've been able to to thrive. And it's exciting. Yeah. I The visual that I, that I always get, and then we're going to hop into some questions from uh, the, the audience. Um, and yes, humility does go a long way. Um, is for me, I imagine myself like putting on this like Wonder Woman suit and I'm like, <sighs> and even be- before this call, it's like, <sighs> <sighs> and I like fully step into that, but whatever you need to do to fully step into how you need to show up in the moment. And Fonz, I feel like, uh, the stories that you've been continually sharing have really highlighted the ability that like, b- people can do it. You just, you, you can give do yourself it. Th- you can do it. Yo, that's exactly what I'm saying, Rachel. And I love being that, that beacon of support for people. That's why I mentor so much. That's why I'm in so many, I do so much public speaking and I'm on podcasts like this is I want to inspire more people to just do it. Just you believe in yourself. I believe in you. So I need you to believe in you and we need to go get this done. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're we're channeling Kevin. We're channeling Kevin. Yeah. Um, okay. Go get so, this done. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to shift gears a bit to some f- uh, questions in in the chat. So from from Red, uh, you mentioned earlier that it took your friend putting a lot of trust in you for you to trust yourself more and value what you do much more. Would you happen to have more tips on trusting yourself and taking risks? Yeah. I mean, honestly, life is short and it's all about experiences. So it shouldn't have taken my friend for me to believe that because I was putting the time in, right? I was in the, I was in the lab every single day, not my friend. I was walking to the lab at seven in the morning, working there and then staying at night. I was the one studying and trying and studying. So it shouldn't have taken that, but it did. But it never took that again. So it's more of if you're dedicated to your craft and you're studying and you're putting the time, there's no reason to question yourself. It just doesn't make sense. So it's not as if you're not putting the time in and then you're trying to do something. If you're putting the time in, then you might as well just go for it. And that's how I now look at my career and all of these opportunities is I feel worthy of every opportunity that comes across my way. I don't really feel lucky. I feel fortunate because this is a culmination of a lot of things that I've been doing to get to this point. So just believe in yourself. I'm telling you, it's just, it's the only option, to be honest with you. I'm an optimist as well. And I've been through a lot. So that's why I choose to stay an optimist because if I was going to give up or be a pessimist, I should have did it a long time ago. So just believe in yourself, Red. If, like I said, if you're putting the time and the energy into it, then it is what it is. Beautiful. Uh, so from, from Connie, uh, what are some challenges that you're facing as you continue to grow and help others around you grow? Connie, <laughs> shout out to Connie. That's my homie. I think it's the, the time management gets tricky. It's so many different opportunities come my way that I have to try to prioritize what's important. But then when you're prioritizing what's important, there's, there's levels to that. It's what's important for today, what's important for the week, for six months, for a year, maybe five years down the line. So trying to figure out what I should put my time into and what I shouldn't put my time into is really probably my biggest problem right now. But secondly, something else I'll say is when you've worked so hard to get to a certain point, trying not to hit that ceiling and figure out other things that still inspire you to keep you going. That's something that I struggle with sometimes because sometimes I want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm like, man, I don't have time for that. I have a wife. I have a kid. I need that stability. I can't be giving you 25 hour days like that sometimes anymore. So struggling with that, of do I want to stay in corporate America? Do I want to start a business? The media doesn't help. Everywhere you look, somebody's raising $500 million, $100 million, 22-year-old, $99 million raise. So you're sitting there like, I should be doing more. There's more I could be doing. And then that's the wrong lane to go down. So FOMO is an issue that I think we all go through that, to be honest. I'll be transparent with everybody on the call. Just a FOMO of because of the way social media and the media is set up now, we're always seeing this stuff flashed in front of us. So you always want to say, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. So try to figure out what 
I should do versus what I want to do versus what I will do. And and something that you, that you shared earlier, which is like a practice that can be applied to this very situation, is journaling it and checking in with yourself. Because uh, we we spend so much so much journal exactly. So we spend so much of the day uh, scrolling on social and looking outwards, and then helping cultivate that checking in, checking in to see to test for resonance of okay, they raised ninety mil. That sounds quite nice. But maybe I really care about being with my kids right now. Mm-hmm. And, just, and just noting that maybe that 90 mil or whatever number you're raising can come later. And right now, the priority is time with the family. And mm-hmm. just noting that that's okay as long as there's awareness around where the, the values are uh, focused. Right. And just understanding that. I mean, do you want to raise 90 million? You might not even really want to do that. You just get caught up in the number. You actually don't want to do that. But that's what I'm saying of you have to disconnect yourself from this stuff because it's just so sensationalized of we think we want all the stuff that we see flash in front of us. But do you really? And that's where you have to, like you said, check in with yourself. And I do that a lot. And I have a support group that allows me to do that. I have amazing business partners. My oldest sister is on the call listening right now, my wife, my daughter. So because of that, they help me stay in tune and grounded. And I'm constantly reevaluating what's important to me. And by doing that, I feel connected to everything that I'm involved in, as opposed to just feeling like I'm in, like I'm just running on a treadmill. Yeah. Uh, So we have a question from Kat. Uh, I too would love to hear how you built that confidence in your decisions when taking risks, something I'm always working on. You know what? I taught myself how to swim by starting in the little baby pool and then just jumping into the three feet and holding onto the rail and then just trying to swim. I taught myself how to ride a bike by, I actually learned how to ride a bike on my sister's bike. I used to walk it across the street and just ride down a hill. And I just kept crashing and crashing until one day, you know what? I stopped crashing. I'm just one of those type of people who I believe in myself and I'm not going to let anything stop me if I really want to do it. And Kat, you can do this through small steps. It's not about necessarily tomorrow you have to go make the biggest decision of of your life, but you have to, to understand that you're worthy, like I said before, and you deserve all of all of these things in life. So don't get in your own way to stop those blessings from coming your way. You know, like support, support them and support yourself. And I do that by just not, not letting those little bit of thoughts that be in the back of my mind really, like I don't give them enough thought time. I'm just like, I can't worry about that. I just gotta go, I'll be fine. I'm smart. This is a good decision. And life is all about experiences. I also think there's a lot of learning and failure as well. So I'm not really afraid of failure. I don't really, that, that doesn't, because what is failure, honestly? So if you're not focused on failure, then, and you always think that there's some kind of learning or experience in a situation, then these things will start to prevent you from saying no, because, because you know, you'll get something out of it. Like my sister's favorite story of mine is before I got on at Netflix, I had interviewed at a various places, got to the last, last, last round, 
quite a few no's. But you know what? I didn't let it stop me. I kept going because I knew I wanted a new opportunity. I knew I deserved a good opportunity and I wasn't going to let anything stop me. And then after various, various ones, I ended up getting the job at Netflix. So you got to keep trying and you got to believe in yourself. Yeah, I, I very much resonate with uh, every everything that you said, and a lot of it uh, is quite aligned with things that we talk about at at Design to Be. Um, and I feel like a big theme from the from what you just shared is all about resilience. Mm-hmm. One through having a growth mindset, so not get, being focused on the failure piece, but okay, what can I learn from this? Number one, and number two, developing low level goals. So of course. We all want to get to <laughs> that dream job that's maybe tomorrow. 10, years, 10 years away, but we want it tomorrow. We want that dream car, that dream house, or that dream, whatever it may be. But smushing that down to what's the most achievable thing that can help build your cup of resilience that you can be mm-hmm. like, yes, okay, I can do this. And I feel super confident to do it. And eventually over time, as your stories beautifully alluded to, it grows. Right. It grows. And you so got to start you, somewhere. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Uh, we have a question from Yvonne. So you mentioned confidence and believing in ourselves, but as designers, we need to convince others to believe in us and our work. How do you get people to believe in you? Because I'm big on relationships. So when I'm working with somebody, I'm building this relationship with them where, like I said, I'm communicating, we're talking, I'm keeping them involved in the decision-making process. It's not just, hey, I'm the designer, this is what I said, go. As soon as the project kicks off, I'm working with everybody that's involved. What do you think about this? Here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? You have some input? So all of my projects that I work on, they feel more group and team-oriented than they do Fonz was the lead. Fonz did that. That's not how I work. I work as a unit with my crew. So because of that, I always have my team support because I started to build that support from day one. It wasn't something that I took lightly or I said, I'll wait till later. I don't do that at any job or anything I work on. I immediately start building relationships because we're humans. So when you build that relationship early, it's way easier to to have people support you than it is later on. And I'm saying even doing things up, I reach out to people on my team. Good morning, what's up? How the kids, how were you with this? I saw you did that, I saw you do that. So we have relationships that are deeper than just designer engineer. So because that respect is there, when it's time to work on a project, I don't have to try to gain that respect every single project I worked on, which is amazing. And then second, (laughs) I'm really clear about my decisions and I'm a good listener. Shout out to my wife because she told me years ago I wasn't. And that's what made me work (laughs) on being a good listener. And by bringing these different things to the table, that's how I'm able to gain the respect of my peers where when somebody's explaining, I don't cut them off. When somebody has a meeting, I'm engaged in those meetings. I'm asking questions. I'm raising my hand. I'm participating. You see I'm there. You see I care. So you want to give me that same respect in return when I'm having a meeting or when I'm asking something. So it's almost like you do good, you get good type of philosophy. And that's how I work where every company I go to, uh, that's one of my major things to do is is build true relationships with my team. I'm going to be with these people 
almost more than I'm going to be with my family. So why not spend that time building a real connection with somebody as opposed to just, that's just an engineer and I'm a designer or that's a PM or something like that. There's so many things that you said that I wanted to quote and tweet. So I hope someone's doing it for me. Um, so we're, we're just about at time. I'm going to shift to one closing question on, on my end. So for folks in the audience now, or for folks listening to the recording later, um, if there's one thing that you could ask of the audience, uh, in relation to taking a risk, uh, what would it be? Maybe something they can start or take some kind of action once they, uh, stop listening or hop off this call? That's a really good question. What I tell people is to do like a self-assessment and ask yourself, are you happy where you are now? Are there things in your control that you can change? Are there some future things that you can get lined up to make change happen eventually? Are you really happy where you are right now? Because you know what? If you are really happy where you are, high five. Don't change anything. That just shows that you've been working really hard to get to where you are now and enjoy it. But if you're not, then let's not hide. Let's not run from those feelings. Let's figure out how to attack those feelings and get you to the place that you want to be. So that self-assessment is really important to just, you spend time on everything else. You dedicate so much time to making sure everybody else is good. Do you dedicate that time to yourself? And I know all the parents on the call can understand that. We love our kids. We give our kids so much time. And then you're married, you give that. And then you have a big family, you give them that. And then you have work. But you see, I still haven't said me yet. I've said everything else except me. And you can't forget about yourself. So the self-assessment and be happy about those answers that you get back and see how you can use those and, and act on those. Because me just giving you a bunch of random action items that's for me. That's not for you. So if you take the time to do the self-assessment, then you'll come up with your own action items that will be beneficial to you as opposed to you trying to per se follow somebody else's formula. So you got to start with self. And that means looking in the mirror, like if you want to say it or understanding your strengths or weaknesses or what's making you happy, what's making you sad right now, but spending that time to just focus and dedicate it to yourself. It's not that easy to do in 2022. I think we all know that. That's why I'm saying do that <laughs> and just admit how go, hard that is. Go go check in with yourself, folks, no matter how much you know what I'm saying? Is, Log is, into is self.com. <laughs> Log into self.com. You know what I mean? Like open up your app. <laughs> pull <laughs> pull, in, pull in the app. chair, pull, pull right in. Uh, well, <laughs> thank you so much, Fonz, for uh, the gems, the insights, your time, your energy, your authenticity. Uh, your storytelling, uh, all all the things. It was uh, a pleasure to have you on at the show. Oh, no, I'm glad to be here. Thank you, everybody, for supporting me. Uh, shout out to Netflix. Shout out to Initiate Growth. You can check us out. Shout out to all of the mentor programs that I'm I'm working on. Just like I said, support me. I'll support you. Hit me up on social media. If you tweet in at me, anything you need, I'm here. This is about community. It takes a village. That's what I try to tell people. It's not about only self because it does take a village. So let's support each other, Rachel, and let's get it. That wraps up another episode of Design to Be Conversation. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you're curious for more ways to invest in your EQ, to be a more empowered, educated, and effective designer, head over to designtobe.com. That is D-E-S-I-G-N-T-O-B-E.com. You can take our design process EQ quiz or sign up for a newsletter to receive the latest Design to Be community building, live offerings, and self-inquiry guidance directly to your inbox. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you may listen. Be sure to share this podcast with a fellow designer who's interested in investing in their EQ. And again, thanks so much for listening.